We also do invasive species control. So yes. we do some honeysuckle removal yes. and spraying. I saw honeysuckle that you looked did. beautiful, but it as an did. invasive species. Yes, it is. I tried to rip it out with my bare hands. <laughs> I was so mad and Michelle stopped me, but. Yeah, sometimes that causes more harm than good. Right. Director of Resource Stewardship for Fontenelle Forest. What's the strangest animal you've ever seen out in there? Have you, is it pretty standard, the wildlife, or does anything ever surprise you when you're deep in the forest doing something? We have a really cool spider really? that, yeah, that has spines on the back. Yeah. So a few years ago, oh, and I was terrified of spiders. <laughs> yeah. Like squeal every time I saw a spider whip. My coworkers were not thrilled with me at all. <laughs> but as I got over that fear a little bit, I started noticing them. And we had done some insect surveys with a contractor and starting to see some of these things was pretty incredible. And I think for me, that's probably the coolest thing animal-wise that I've seen out there. So you have experts come in who do, you go out with them and they can tell by certain things that there's certain types of spiders around? Yeah, so what we did is when we started our Oak Woodland Initiative in 2015, we got money from the Nebraska Environmental Trust and we did three big surveys. So we did a baseline over three years for breeding birds, vegetation, and insects. So we paid people to come out and survey and analyze the data for us. We got to also go out with them and participate and learn from them. Hmm. So it was pretty cool to be able to do that. Yeah. And how do you, I don't know if rate is the right word, but the biodiversity of species here, I mean, in Nebraska has to be one of the most concentrated diverse areas, I would think, if not regionally. How Do you know how it ranks as far as the species and that type of thing? Yeah, so what we're doing for that study is just finding out what do we have. Yeah. And then the goal is to repeat the study in another couple of years, another three-year study, to see what's changed with the work we've done. So we have plots or transects in different areas where we have done some major restoration work and some places where we haven't. So we can try to see what our work has maybe produced. So that's what we're looking for. As far as comparing with other places, we don't have a whole lot of data yeah. uh, in comparison, but there have been different surveys done like at Neil Woods and some other properties up in North Omaha that are comparing to see how things are the same and different. How are they different? It just depends on what it is. Yeah. So some of the things, like there were some bat studies, they were pretty similar in both locations. Some of the insects, there's different types of populations. Hmm. So yeah, I don't know diversity-wise yeah. if we're, we're higher diversity or lower than other places. But that's something that as we move along that we'll want to start looking at. So when you have this kind of information and these scientists and things, how does that affect the decisions that you make on bigger projects? Is that a big piece of the puzzle? Oh, this consultant said X, so we got to do this. Or is it just a myriad of factors? What goes into a big initiative here? Yeah, so we started our Oak Woodland Initiative without baseline data. So we started working without that data. So 10 years later, we're looking to see what we've done and, and what changes that has produced. And that's in the uplands. So on the floodplain, it's a slightly different story. It's a little more nuanced system. It's a little more 
temperamental, so we don't want to start making changes without knowing what's down there. So we actually started a pilot study this summer to test out how we want to do a vegetative study down there to see what plants there are. So before we do major work in the floodplain, we need to know what we have. Whereas in the woodlands, they're a little more forgiving and it's a little bit easier to bounce back. So what we'll do with that information is we've already seen some observational results. We have seen an increase in grass and flowers in different areas that tell us, okay, we're on the right track. What the scientific data will tell us is an actual numerical rating of how well it went or maybe the type of restoration we're doing in one area didn't work so well. And then we gotta figure out why huh. and how to change that. So the information we're gathering both on the ground, our observations, and then the scientific data will help inform how we either change or continue management in certain areas. And so what is the big thing going on now? Like what is changing that you're working on or are in the midst of at the moment here? Today we are doing prescribed fire readiness. Right. So we are preparing our priority units for this fall's burn season. If we have the proper weather conditions, we have the right crew, we have the proper fuel conditions, and then we get permission from the fire department, we can conduct a prescribed fire. So we need to make sure that the units are ready. So that means all of our fire breaks are secure. Our oaks and other hazards are protected from fire around. We actually leaf blow around some of our oak trees and some of the things we don't want on fire so <laughs> right. that we have a little bit safer and easier of a burn. That's what we've been focusing on. It's also seed collection season. Uh-huh. So our last Saturday volunteer work day was collecting seed. And then we throw that seed right back out onto our property right before a snow, if at all possible. Otherwise, after we burn so that it can then get put back in the soil. So is the prescribed burn something that could happen every year or is this particularly, are you concerned because of the drought that's been happening? Right now, we're still in our restoration phase with fire. Our goal is to apply fire to as many of our units as possible every year. And what that does is it's helping to recycle some of that dead stuff that's been laying on the ground for 10, 15, 20, 100 years so that those nutrients can be used. It also helps to get rid of some of those invasives like that honeysuckle. Yes, damn them. (laughs) And just trying to put that process back into the system that after settlement had been taken out. Eventually, we may not need to burn every year. And we don't burn the same things the same ways every year. Weather conditions are different, fuel conditions are different, so the burns are a little bit different every year. We did actually have a wildfire on our floodplain the summer of 22, so that is something that we are aware of and ready to deal with if necessary. So all of our prescribed fire staff has taken the wildland firefighter training, so we all have that background, and everybody that participates with us, either as a volunteer has taken that or is a partner who does prescribed fire professionally too. How many people in a team on a day where you do that then are there? It depends on the unit. So the one that I was helping prepare today, we need eight people to safely and successfully minimally do that burn. So we can use more, but we have some units where we probably only need four or five. And we have some units where we would really like to have 15 or 20. Yeah. So it depends on the complexity and the size of the unit and also the conditions. 
So how many times have you done that in your 11 years? A lot or handful? That's a good question. I don't know if we maybe do between three and seven a year. Wow. And I've been burning for 10 years. 70 or so. Yeah. yeah. And is the park shut down when that happens or parts of it? Yeah, where we're burning, yeah. yeah. But not all of it, potentially. Correct. If we're burning up at Neal Woods, we tend to shut all of Neal Woods down because there's too many ways people could get in and that would not be safe for anybody. At Fontenelle, it just depends on the unit we're doing as to what trails get closed. So we post it on social media, our website, our front desk knows. And then there are some of our partners like Hitchcock Nature Center over in Iowa, they don't close trails. Hmm. So they have a very different burn program. They have different fuels. They've been doing it longer. So it's a little bit different over there, but yeah, we close our trails. How old are the oldest trees here? Oh, we have some trees that are probably 400 years old that are still alive. We had found that we had a lot of the really old oaks, two, three, 400, and we were not finding some of the younger oaks, that 100, 200 year old age class. One of the things that we were noticing when we first started our restoration program was that we would have seedlings. We would have oak seedlings everywhere, but they wouldn't get much past that seedling stage because they were getting shaded out they didn't have the right soil conditions, that kind of thing. So what we're hoping is long-term with our oak woodland restoration is that we will get that regeneration of oaks and we will start having that broader mix of age class. And you are not from here originally, like I said, Colorado, but did that surprise you when you came into this job or were you familiar with it before or what were your first impressions of coming here and and then working here? Yeah, I actually love the prairie. I I love the open space. I grew up in the front range of Colorado. I like the short grass prairie. Uh, But one of the things I fell in love with here specifically in the Omaha area is the variety, the mosaic of habitats from the floodplain all the way up through the prairie with the different types of woodlands, forest, savanna, and various habitats in between. So I think that's one of the coolest parts. So growing up in Colorado with the different levels going up the mountain, it was similar as you get away from the river. Right. And then what do locals maybe not appreciate, understand, or when you're out at a party or talking with friends about your job, what's the thing you tell them that really they go, oh, at Fontenelle Forest, or I didn't know that? Is there anything about here that most of us average Omahans don't know or hadn't considered? The fact that one of the primary parts of our restoration is actually thinning trees. It's that selective thinning. The fact that this area of the world historically would not have had a ton of trees and there would have been pockets of that dense forest but it would have opened up that's something that tends to surprise people because when you hear fontanel forest you think a ton of trees so as we're looking to improve and restore our oak habitats that selective thinning tends to take people aback Less is more sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. And Mr. Childs, when he had the, was it dairy operation or he had a bunch of cows Mm -hmm. you were showing me where along the Childs Hollow area, you were saying in his time it it would have looked different, right? It would have had more of the oaks would have been more prominent because there was less 
other things? Yeah, it was open pasture. It probably would have been a mix of prairie grasses and flowers uh, with some sprinkled oaks and some other oak associate trees like the shagbark hickories up there. And what, around what year time frame was that era? Oh, gosh. Like earlier 1900s or? Yeah. Yeah. And then was it was a decision to turn this or to grow seed out and, and develop it? Is that right? Or was there a natural progression? How did it get to be what it is? Yeah, in the past couple hundred years, how ecology has come about has been a fascinating story. The original intent was that people recognized that we needed to save land from development. So that's been a thing for a long time. And Fontenelle Forest was created as an organization in 1913. Wow. And the original intent was to preserve it, to keep it set aside. So what that meant until relatively recently, probably the past 30 years, was set it and forget it. So you are setting it aside so nature can do its thing. Yeah. The problem with that is that humans had already caused changes in the processes. So nature wasn't able to just do its thing anymore. There were invasions of different plants and animals. With processes being disturbed, there were different plants growing in areas where they didn't before, and you were losing some of that biodiversity, especially at the plant level. So, What's your favorite part of the job? The different things I get to do every day. Yep, every day is different. Just the fact that so many different people connect with Fontenelle Forest in different ways is incredible, and us being here to make that available is something that's pretty important to all of us. And you love nature, so when I showed up, you had several packs, and so I was like, this is serious here. (laughs) At least if we get lost, I know you've got the water and stuff, but no, it's very cool, a very interesting job. It's a wonderful landscape, and if you haven't been out lately, why should someone come out in the dead of winter? I was thinking about that. Is that you're lighting up is that yeah yeah. that's one of the coolest times if there's snow on the ground there's a quiet right but you can still hear the animals so the animals don't all hibernate in the winter there's some pretty cool things you can see with the leaves off of the trees the tracks you can see in the snow or even in the mud yeah just the different opportunities and a way to see the land in a new light right well said i was thinking because i wasn't even sure when i was came out for the foliage i was like is does it close soon and is it a seasonal and it's not and and then i was thinking it'd be cool to come out here on sunny but cold crisp day after it snowed i bet and walk around when you start in the morning you come out with a cup of coffee and just take a deep breath and go i love this job or, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah i do yeah yeah michelle foss thank you director of resource stewardship at fontenelle Ford. Really appreciate the time and, and check it out if you haven't been out lately. A lot of cool things going on, Michelle. Thank you very much. Thanks.